Hello and welcome back to another episode of First Generation Bow Hunter. This is Adam Buchanan, and I am a first generation bow hunter. And if you're here, you probably are too. Want to pick up some tips, learnings, tactics, maybe a good dad joke here and there. Help you get through bow hunting season. Well, it's been quite a hunting season. Uh, this is being recorded on December 1st, 2022. So kind of coming to the close of most of the seasons here in Utah. And yeah, lots of, lots of stories, lots of things, lots of learnings. Hopefully it was a great season for you. I'd love to hear about it. If you want to tag your stories on Instagram, hashtag first generation bow hunter, that'd be awesome. Love to hear it in the direct messages too. I always seem to get some really cool messages from listeners. So I'd love to hear how was it this year? What did you learn? What was those big learnings? What were some of the failures, the successes? Lay it all out there. Let's let's get it all out. I found when I reflect on my hunts, it tends to go a lot better going forward because I can always reflect back and think what what did I take away from something so I really am a big believer in reflection and whether it go well or whether it didn't and also paying attention to those little things like temperature time of day where was the moon just all that and I think another one is like feeding areas looking at you know where the animals were or where they weren't, where you thought they were going to be. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. I've got a story I'm going to share in this episode. It's my Hail Mary, the last day of hunting season. We had we have a really long hunting season here in Utah. We have something called the archery extended season, which basically means if you didn't tag out on your deer or elk in the first allotted time for like opener, you have the option to hunt the extended. There's even like a Facebook group around it. It's pretty, pretty fun. The extended is complicated, but also really accessible. When I say complicated, it's just because it drives a lot of crowds and you have to get creative on where you're going to go. It's got to be public. There's not much to do on private and so yeah, I mean, it gets, I personally though, like I haven't run into a lot of crowds and when I do run into other hunters on the extended, we just kind of like, yeah, like it's all good. There's no territorial stuff. I'm also more North of Salt Lake. I think South of Salt Lake, I think it gets a little bonkers, like people walking in on each other. It's pretty interesting. In my story, I do talk about a person that I did run into and it was no big deal. He was super kind and I was just, yeah, it was all good. Well, yeah, so we have the extended, that's what my story is going to be about. And it's, it's pretty cool too, because in the extended, you can also hunt either sex for elk or deer. So you can get a doe, you can get a cow elk, pretty cool. Elk actually goes another 15 days. Elk are that's yeah i have not had much luck with elk i'm i'm not done well with that and i actually as of today 
until the 23rd of December, I've got another hunt that opens up and it is rifle. Shocking. I know. Don't fall over. Uh, I've, I've never said that I'm exclusive for bow hunting. I've just obviously got all in on, on bow hunting, but I do carve out a little bit of time for, for some rifle. And well, my son and I both drew out for these cow elk tags in a certain area. So we are looking forward to that. So it's always a funny conversation with my wife where she's like, I'll get done with a hunt or I'll tag out. And she's like, Oh, okay. Hunting season's over. And I'm like, well, there's, there's another one opening up next week. Actually, there's still a few more weeks left of this. Yeah. So it's date nights are important. That's what I'm going to share there. Date nights all about it. I also wanted to let you know, there is an archery shop that I highly would discourage you from going to. I went there the other night with my wife. It was promising because it was like really large. I was like, oh my gosh, they must have everything. We walk in, couldn't find employees worth a darn. I mean, no one was around. Couldn't find any broadheads, any arrows. Seriously, like they didn't have a whole lot. And finally, when I did find an employee, they really didn't know much about bow hunting, what I was asking for. It was terrible. So the place not to go for archery and bow hunting is this uh, place. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Target. Um, it's this, and their logo is a Target. It's super misleading. It really bothers me. So I went in there, and we, I mean, we did buy other things. They, had, they sure had video games for Christmas. Boy, I'll tell you what, they had plenty of those. So Target, maybe you should change your name. Uh, just just some unsolicited advice because you're confusing a lot of bow hunters out there. I'm sure I'm not the first one to be, you know, misconceived by your your logo. It's just wild. So yeah, don't go to Target if you want archery gear. It's a waste of time. Okay. By the way, I've got some gear that I'm super amped to talk about as kind of uh, somewhat of a season wrap up and some key learnings. And yeah, I've recently tried out some new gear that I'm, that I'm loving. I'll probably do like a more comprehensive wrap up and like do a video because there was just some, a lot of new gear that I tried this year that I really saw some cool success with. And it was just those little minor things that you need it for. And just the little surprises that you're like, oh, I didn't think I would need it for that. But then you do, and it's amazing, and it really kind of enhances your trip. So I'll walk through some of that later on. So let's dive into Hail Mary. Hail Mary. So this season was busy. I spent a lot of times with my kids, actually, trying to get them outside. I just felt really strong about it. Their, their legs are getting stronger. They're wanting to get out there farther. And I was trying to find hunts that we could get them out on not have to go in too far, but still see some animals, kind of have some fun that way. And the day before Thanksgiving, we, I took my two boys out and had a super exciting time. It was so cool. I mean, just within minutes, my youngest son had him on some binoculars looking at some deer and he just was enthralled. He was so amped. 
So that to me was just super rewarding. But that also means that I haven't done a whole lot of personal hunting and really getting after it myself. But I'm good with that because I, I like passing it along to my boys and opening up those opportunities. Well, the last day of hunting season for that extended hunt that I was talking about was yesterday. And yeah, kind of kind of wild, kind of crazy. So it, was, it came quick, I felt like. The extended hunt too, it goes for a long time. I mean, two months, two and a half months or so. I mean, it's, it's a while here in Utah. You have a lot of opportunities and it, it came quick. And I, I, and I knew I was, I was planning it out to go the day before and the last day. And, uh, so I wasn't too concerned. I, I know where they are and I, I felt pretty good about it, but last minute I made a pretty big change. I was talking to my good friend, Skylar Harrison. He is with the hunt, the West podcast. The episode I did with him was really cool because he got it done on opener so it's the opposite of me getting it done like the 11th hour uh the very last day of the season fun dichotomy there skylar's great individual really down-to-earth guy and so his podcast hunt the west definitely work worth checking out we got talking and he was sharing some really cool encounters on strava and instant stories and I was like, man, those are some good herds. Like, that's awesome. And and so he was kind of uh, sharing where they were, where he's seeing them. And I said, well, I've still got a tag. And he's like, you do? He's like, man, go get after it. And so he was kind enough to kind of guide me a little bit, which was great. L- love the hunting community when we kind of come together and just help each other. The herds were packed up pretty heavy. So I went out the morning before the last day and just went to go glass from like a parking lot down in the foothills. And I was, oh my gosh, I never seen so many animals. I I was kicking myself a little bit because that morning I should have been up there. I was just juggling a little bit of schedule stuff. The, there was a snow delay with school. So I'm like trying to run kids to school, just that, that balance. And still got, you know, 30 minutes to go glass and, and see what was up there. And man, holy cow, tons of action, a lot of bucks and lots of does. And I'm kind of after either, you know, I can choose. It was fun. And I'm, I'm trying to get better at glassing, by the way. It's something I always just have some optics with me. And when I have some time, I'll just break them out and look up at the Wasatch. So very fortunate to live in, in a beautiful place where you can literally look up at 10,000 feet just a few miles away. It's, it's awesome. Speaking of gear real quick, so I did pull the trigger on the new, well, I don't know if it's new. It's the CX Pro Cabela's spotting scope. I've had a straight spotting scope forever, and I've always wanted an angled. Let me just tell you, don't get a straight. They're annoying. They really are because the way you sit to look through it, it just doesn't work. I really don't think so. If you like a straight scope, I'd love to hear your experience and why you went that way and why you like it so much. But I had straight for probably 
the last two years. And I just, I fought it every time. I actually stopped bringing it with me because I was just kind of sick of it. And finally I was like, I got to get an angled. It's driving me crazy. I feel like I'm missing so much. I'm doing it. So I got the CX Pro Cabela's. It's a nice glass. Holy smokes. I actually broke it out on the back porch and looked up at the Wasatch. And just worked out great. So glassing, lots of action. I was getting really amped, so I decided to go out that afternoon. And got up there, got on the e-bike. The road was super snowy. We just got a bunch of snowfall. So that was why they were so active in the morning. And that that morning was the morning to go out. That was <laughs> that was the morning. And Skylar told me that too. He's like, tomorrow morning's going to be nuts. And it absolutely was. And I, yeah, excuses. Got the bike out, went out about two o'clock, got up there, got in some good positions, kind of waited. I was kind of waiting for them to drop. And I was kind of working that theory that they're going to drop, they're going to drop. And it was kind of cool because you can look across the mountain range. It's such a vast length that you can kind of see other deer at other elevations and kind of the behavior they're doing. And then you can think, my thought was, okay, if they're doing that over there, then in my position, they could be coming towards me, was was my theory. Didn't quite work out. I, I had a few start to come down, but they'd get in with 150 yards. And there was just nothing encouraging them to come down. There's really no food per se it was warm. It jumped up to like 40, 45 degrees. And then once that sun dropped, whoa, man, that was cold. I was so glad I, I was bundled up and had all the, had all my stuff. Yeah, it was wild. So didn't see a lot of action. I don't think I got within any less than 150 yards. So I was kind of, you know, out of range, not, not much happening. And th there just was really no reason for them to come down the, uh, you know, 200 feet of vert. Um, and I actually went up a ledge to kind of open up a new vantage point And there was, there was just nothing. And um, the other thing I really took away from that evening hunt as well was really paying attention to tracks and where I was glassing to where I was, I was seeing activity, but when I got up there, I got into an area that just had no tracks. And I think when you're just not seeing a lot of sign, you have to be real with yourself and be like, you know, they're not here. I gotta go find where they are. And that was a good learning for me, just to not waste time. I mean, literally I've got a day left to hunt on this particular uh, season. So I, I don't have time to go be in places where they are not. It's just can't happen. So that was, that was a good takeaway, you know, just kind of paying attention there. So I got through that and it was a cold night. I have this photo of my Instagram where my face is just red because the temperature dropped so fast and caught a epic sunset. It was great, uh, but just couldn't have any encounters. Um, but I, you know, it's funny nowadays I don't get as anxious of tagging out like I used to in my first few years. I used to get so upset 
if nothing worked out. I just was like, and now I'm, I'm just, I'm in a good place. I, I, it's so much more enjoyable. So take that for what it is, for what it's worth. Think about how you're reacting to success or failure. And I would try to lean you on the side of, you know, be an optimist. Try not to let it run you. So based on the glassing session I had in the morning, I was like, okay, last day, I got to get up early. I am going to make this happen. I, I, I'm out of time. And afternoon, evening hunt is not going to be good. This, the, the weather was super steady, so there's no storms or anything coming in to push them around. It was crystal clear. It was one of the most beautiful mornings, and I had to get going. So parking lot. Uh, fortunately it's very close to my house. Oh my gosh. I, I'm not even going to tell you how close it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's about as long as a subpar tutorial video about archery. So yeah, literally like eight minutes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I get there and I get on the trail and it's super dark. Light is just kind of easing in. So it's not quite legal shooting uh, light yet. I'm getting up the trail. E-bike is just cruising. That thing is so fun. I was actually worried about the snow on the e-bike. And I just wasn't sure if I was going to spin out. Wasn't sure if I was going to like hit a bunch of ice. I was blown away how grippy those tires just cut in. And I've got a fat tire, so good surface area. I was flying, flying to the fact where I had to like tone it down a little bit because keeping balance on that thing was a little, little tricky. Wasn't quite ready for how fast that thing was ready to go for. So lots of fun. I, now that that hunt is over now, I want to go ride my bike up there and just, just buzz around. Super cool. So I get up and it's, it's pretty dark. I mean, I'm, I'm my timing is about right. And coming across the trail, literally right to where Skylar was like, you got to get into this spot, you know. And it's funny as hunters, we, we try to be exploratory. We want to go explore things. But then when someone's like, hey, this is where I saw them, there's this weird thing that happens in our brain where it's like, they're going to be there. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. It's like, if I mark an onyx point, it was funny. I was actually finding old onyx points when I was marking like crazy early on. And I'm like, I saw one here. So that means they're going to come back, you know? And so I go to the spot that Skylar is like, yeah, that's where I'm seeing them. They're funneling really well through here. Sure enough. I mean, to the inch is <laughs> where they are. I texted him. I was like, boy, you weren't kidding. They were right here. You know, uh, starts getting lighter and I'm probably 10, maybe 15 minutes into legal shooting light. Um, I don't know what it is in your area. I don't know what the regulation is for us. It's 30 minutes before sunrise. So things are, you know, starting to lighten up and I'm, I'm getting pumped and it, it's a little tricky. Even at that light, you can see, but when you're looking through your sight and your rangefinder, it can be a little tricky. Thankfully, because I got my rangefinder figured out, big surprise, just throw on a new nice battery. I was able to to range a doe and and be able to um, get a sense of uh, their distance. So 
coming around the trail and I'm facing where the sun is rising. So I'm, which is kind of nice actually, because that's how I spotted them so quickly because they were silhouetting on the hillside, uh, cutting across the trail. Oh man. And, and when you silhouette a deer, it's amazing because they're so easy to spot. So that was, that was kind of a cool learning, you know, playing the sun a little bit. I have really tried to learn that a little bit more this year. So that that's really what helped me spot them so quick. So I spotted them about 120 yards up the trail uh, and I'm laterally traversing. So I'm getting pumped. I'm like, dang, this is going to happen. Also, my bow was on the ready uh, where I, I've mounted it to my handlebars on my e-bike. That right there blew me up on a hunt uh, a week and a half ago. I was riding along, roll up on a buck, and he, I'm 40 yards, not even kidding, and couldn't get my, my bow off my backpack. And so I, this hunt was awesome because I had optimized for that, got this mount, and I had my bow off in seconds. And you just pull off two straps, little rubber things. And so I lay my bike down and I get on my feet and I start closing the distance. Now, when you're hunting on an e-bike, you actually can close in a lot sooner and faster when you stay on the bike. I think I just got excited and I was like, oh, they're there. I could have ridden in probably another 30, 40 yards. And what's interesting, and I learned this in the group as well, a uh, quiet cat group, you can... You can ride past a deer and I mean, they could be 10, 20 yards away. Not, not kidding. And they don't quite understand what e-bikes are. They're just, they're quiet. They're fast. You can blast past them, get out of their sight, get off it and then double back and, and go get a shot. I've, I've actually done that before. I think I was just getting excited. I was like, I see him. I see him, you know? So I got off. But just a little learning there, you you can like go right up to them, get out of sight, and then it's it's impressive. But there is a little bit of strategy with hunting with an e-bike, uh, as I've as I've learned. So I get off and I start walking up, and I'm sitting there watching these deer cross this trail. It's like one, two three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm like, holy cow, this herd is huge. Like I, I'm still used to these kind of smaller herds, you know, for some of the earlier seasons. So I haven't done as much aggressive late season hunting. And I'm just like, how many deer are going to be up there? It's crazy. So I'm like grinning, you know, ear to ear. And I'm just like, this is fun. Well, they get up this super steep incline. It was probably 50 degree angle 45 I mean it was you're crawling on your hands and knees it's steep 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 and they're blasting up that the thing I like about that though when deer are running up something that steep they're slow they're not as fast they're they're not you know super animal like aliens like they they still have limits and it was kind of cool. It was, I broke that down a little bit. Cause I was like, man, 
with how steep that is, they can't get away from me very fast. So that was one thing with the e-bike. If I would have stayed on the e-bike, I think I would I could have closed the distance even more because yeah, they're getting spooked, they're seeing me, but and I was also I was also silhouetted too, so they could spot me pretty darn quick. I get up there and I'm at the bottom of where they're climbing up. And it's just, I mean, perfect. I like uphill shots. I I don't know. I It seems like most of my shots are uphill. These deer just plow up this hill. I'm looking up. And I didn't even make a noise. Sometimes I'll kind of stop them with a little, uh, I want to say burp. It's not burp. It's the little doe call, like the, you know, kind of thing. I don't think I did. I just was there and they kind of stopped and I love does cause they're, they're so darn curious, you know? And, uh, so got into range, got a range on her and I have shot this distance very comfortably for a very long time. Uh, I, I I'll be honest with you. I was a little hesitant on sharing the distance, but I'm just going to share it. You can ask me about it later. It's fine, but it was 87 yards. Um, honestly, I've done a lot of long distance shooting. I feel very strong about that long of a distance. You might hear that and be like, bro, that's way too far. It's fine. Make your judgments. It's, it's totally cool. I, I've just been doing this long enough that that's where I am comfortable with. So I pull back. And I adjust my sight, obviously, to 87 and pull back, release, you know, go through my system. I was just super, super calm. I was just like, okay. One thing that goes through my head, too, by the way, when I'm pulling back is I'm, I I think the phrase, I'm going to kill this animal with this arrow. I speak in very obvious, simple, plain terms. And I found when I do that, everything really falls into place. I like when I speak that way to myself. So I pull back and I just settle in feeling really good. And she is dead still. I mean, just locked in on me. I'm locked in on her. Bam, release. I hear that famous whack, like, you know, deep impact sound. And I was like, whoa, that was a good hit. Like I was pretty pumped. I was super, super pumped. And the other thing that was nice too, you know, there's probably eight inches of snow on the ground. Uh, some blood tracking is, you know, I'm looking forward to that because the contrast is so great. So I give it a minute and I'm kind of watching and all the deer are just booking up that hill. I mean, they are just full sprint, full go uh, all up in there. There were so many deer that I was having a hard time tracking the one I had shot. And cause my, my visibility all of a sudden kind of went away cause they went around this bend up this like ravine. And so it was kind of crazy cause they're on this very exposed face and then they dip behind uh, these trees. So I'm like, Oh man, you know, I'm watching, I'm watching and you know, I think, get a full count on them. They're probably a herd of 12, maybe 13. So there's a ton of them. And I'm just like, 
listening for a crash, listening for something, you know, trying to really pay close attention. I don't really hear anything. Um, at that distance, though, kind of makes sense. You shoot at 90 and they go 40, your hearing is not going to be as good as if you shoot them at 40 and then they drop at 80, right? And it's up the mountain. I mean, it is like a staircase just straight up. So, you know, maybe sound doesn't travel as much. Well, I kind of wait, wait around, and I'm just like, okay, you know. Then it starts to kick in, right, that adrenaline. And so I'm just like, you know, I really want to make sure, like, I give it plenty of time. And I felt really good about it. I also pulled out my binoculars, and I was pointing in on that area, like zooming in to see if I could just see anything, blood on the snow, anything. The angle is just not great for visual of, you know, <laughs> looking at 90 yards away, trying to find some blood droplets. Just, yeah, as you can imagine. But, you know, I was thinking, I was trying to think through that. Like, if I could see something, you know, get a sense of the hit, but couldn't see much. So kind of drink some water, ate some food. I forget to eat a lot. And so I really have to like slow myself down, make sure that I'm in check with myself. So I waited about 30 minutes and, you know, it's quiet up there. And what I didn't know is that, you know, she didn't make it very far. But I couldn't see. And so I had to be very careful walking up. And it's steep. I'm super unsteady. You know, I'm got my hiking poles out, got my bow. I'm like trying to, you know, get up this thing without making too much noise. Snow is awesome though, because it helps cover sound. And it also makes it so you can walk up like a really rocky, loose face, but rocks and stuff aren't moving everywhere. So I, I just love these conditions. Like this late season stuff is actually kind of fun. There's so many cool elements around it. So I walk up and I'm kind of like looking for my arrow, looking for my arrow. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm not seeing it. And I point down and I look at my e-bike and I, and I range it, and this is something I've, I guess, self-taught myself recently, last few hunts, is when I'm trying to, like, get a sense of where to go, what direction, and then distance, I really am thoughtful of that landmarker that I leave down at the trail and then say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot my bike at 87 yards with my rangefinder and really help me understand where that deer was standing. It worked awesome. It was so cool. I was ranging it, and it was like 60 yards. Okay, okay, I got to keep going, right? It's 70, 80, 85, literally 87 yards on the dot. I'm standing where the deer was standing. It was so cool. I was like, anyway, it was kind of a cool learning of really trying to gauge where you're going. Maybe that's obvious to some. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of cool little thing for me the hard part about after the shot is your mind isn't working very well and so maybe that's why i'm so excited about it (laughs) it's because i felt like it was one of those kills where i was a little bit more calm and was thinking through things and so i found the arrow it was just 
perfectly sticking out of the snow and it was angled so high like it was so above the animal just sticking out perfectly probably by like it was a steep angle i mean the arrow was a good six feet above where the deer was standing and where the blood started wild the arrow was just the best red ever like full organ full heart like great like goopy um red just solid red i love to see a red arrow i think that's one of the most calmest things that i see during a hunt is seeing red because when you don't see red or it's not great blood or it's yellow because you hit them in the gut ugh, it's the worst feeling absolute worst feeling so I just felt really good about it. And the blood trail was looking great. I was like, man, I'm happy with this. It was all over the snow. Just really, really cool. Well, I start to walk where you dip in. And from down on the trail, you can't see. So I'm starting to go into this unknown area. And I'm like, man, I wonder how far she went. Now, when a deer is running uphill, that usually means they didn't get hit very hard. So the first thing I noticed was it was just a traverse. It wasn't down. It wasn't up. It was a traverse. And I thought, okay, all right, I'm, I'm good with the traverse, you know. So I slowly creeping up. And it, it's funny when you're on that blood trail, there's just so much unknown. You don't know when you're going to run into the animal, um, depending on the visuals from after the shot and what you've seen and so I, I like blood trails. I was telling my kids the other day, I was like, I like the blood trail part of a hunt. It's just this excitement. There's this unknown. There's a lot of skill involved. It's, it's a good time. I'm moving along, super quiet, slow. And I look, I, I, and again, I'm probably 15 yards from the arrow. And I look and I see this big, like, the snow was moved around. It looked like she was trying to maybe lay there, but tripped. And there's just sand, uh, dirt everywhere, rocks kicked up, blood everywhere. And I'm like, oh, man, like she was right here. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Bam, like five feet below that. There she is. Totally, totally expired. And just immense amount of gratitude i was like wow that was a that was a pretty straightforward hunt i mean that was phenomenal you know i'm on the trail not even 15 minutes um getting some you know good herd great shot so i'm looking i'm like i always like to see you know the entry and the exit wound and, and all that i mean perfect textbook uh, it's the shot that i love every time right in through the chest right out through the chest um even like my g5 broadhead even like broke some some ribs that i found found later broke some bones right through the heart i mean 87 yards right through the heart i i just couldn't be more thankful for that luck that opportunity, all the stars aligning. Uh, I, I think back to the practice that I put 
and into these arrows, into tuning, into knock tuning, just all those hours come into play. Uh, it just all comes into one moment. It's just really, really cool, really exciting. Man, so I pull her, you know, I start pulling her back to where I was and got her, got her down pretty quick and just took a moment and was just, you know, taking it all in, just kind of replaying things in my mind, watching everything again in my mind and where the arrow was, the blood trail, where, you know, where she fell over. So pretty awesome. I, she must've gone quick is my sense. Um, just how she looked, it looked like, you know, as long as I had waited is, I don't think she had gone very far, uh, you know, well, she didn't, she went about 18 yards, 20 yards or so, but I'm just, I don't think she was alive very long, you know, through that heart. It was pretty darn instant. So pretty excited about that. It was awesome. My Hail Mary, my Hail Mary hunt, last ditch effort. And, uh, so I got her down and one thing about, you know, processing the animal and gutting her and everything, I pull, pull her down and obviously it's super easy to get down. I mean, it's snow basically. And, um, I, I was trying to be thoughtful because in this area you get runners, you get um, hikers and walkers and things. And it, obviously it's not as crowded in the winter, but I'm trying to be thoughtful of someone's going to walk by. Right. And what I did was I took a bunch of snow and I just kind of covered anywhere where I could see quite a bit of blood. And then I got her to an area that was off the trail, very level, kind of off the beaten path. And I just kind of covered up everything, like any little drop of blood, anything I just covered. I was just thinking like public land is a great thing, but it doesn't mean that as hunters, we can just like do whatever we want. And so that was one thing I was trying to pay attention to. And I, and I've always done that. I've always really paid attention to my impact the message I'm sending, how I'm being thoughtful of rolling up to the parking lot, um, running into other people, just, I, I think it's good to slow down a little bit and just think like, if someone was to walk by right now, how would I act? What would I say? One thing I even thought of was if someone has dogs, you know, walk up to them first and say, Hey, I just want to, you know, you know, I have an animal down over here. Your dogs are going to smell it. They're probably going to, you know, just letting you know. Um, I think it's just a common courtesy. I, I think it's good to give hunters a good name and, and kind of do that rather than beating our chest and pulling out the knife and just start going at it. You know, I was really trying to think ahead and I'm glad I did. Um, the other thing, you know, the gut pile, I really tried to get it off the trail and actually down off the trail, like down the mountain. And it worked out pretty well. Um, you know, the birds came, they, they came within minutes. They, they were not too far behind me and it was nice. I, I just, I, I was kind of trying to be thoughtful and I just share that with you as you think about your kills and how you're processing. Um, what, what kind of message are we sending, you know, and how are we being respectful of the animal, respectful to others? I don't know who's going to walk around that corner. You know, I don't know what they're going to bring up to city council in that, in that County and want to vote on some things, <laughs> uh, 
got to be protective of that so and respectful uh got her gutted everything went really smooth and i did this interesting thing i'll, I'll share some photos on my instagram of how i uh wrapped up the deer and but one thing that I really liked was have you seen these little twisty gear ties they come in all sorts of colors i just do the black ones i'm, I'm trying to think who, oh i think it's night eyes night n-i-t-e i-z-e night eyes they make little clips gear things but they make these gear twisty ties i didn't know if it was gonna be strong enough to do this i didn't have a rope with me or any way of really tying down the animal on top of my pannier bags on my back saddle of my e-bike. And I, but I kind of went out on a limb and did this. So what I did was I put her body f with her legs facing the front of the bike. And then I brought her front leg and her rear back leg, brought them together. And then I twisty tied it around the seat of my bike seat post. So I've got photos of all that I'll be sharing. It's kind of interesting. I honestly, I was just sitting there and I was like, I think this could work. Like I'd never seen it done before. I think sometimes you just have to do, you don't have to research every little issue or question. I did get rid of my bike trailer on my quiet cat. Honestly, I just, every time I took it out, it was just more hassle than it provided. I took it camping one time early in the spring. I swear I was like 14 feet long on the trail. I, I just looked like a crazy person. Not that it's bad like how we look. I just didn't like taking corners, you know, up the mountain. It was totally obnoxious. I was constantly getting off that thing. And so what I've done is just done more of the pannier bags on the back saddle, on the rear rack. And honestly, it has everything I need. I keep my hiking poles in there. I keep my bike lock in there, tools. And when I pack out an animal, I just drape it over the pannier bags. But these little twisty gear ties were just the coolest thing. I mean, oh, it, was, it was kind of it was kind of a cool enlightenment of like, oh, that's how I can pack out an animal. That's great. For bigger things like elk, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be multi-trip, definitely, you know, hindquarters and, and all that. But, well, that is, that is my Hail Mary. Got home and so so grateful um uh, it's it was just a an awesome morning it's such a good time really thankful to um skyler and his his guidance and his generosity of like hey man go get it you know so he was the first person i texted yeah good times and uh yeah got got her hanging now She's been hanging for about a day. It's super cold here in Utah. So my garage is like 20 degrees. It's just perfect conditions. Um, the the one piece of gear I invested in this year, and I'm thankful I did, is a Gabriel. Game, Gabriel? Maybe I'm saying that wrong. Gabriel? G Gabriel? It's the two-hook uh, metal piece that you use with a pulley, and you string up the deer. Uh, uh, keeping the deer whole has been the best thing for my processing. I process all my own deer and everything and keeping it all together has been awesome. So I don't quarter anything out. I don't break it down out there. Works great. So that's been good. Uh, that was, that was just a phenomenal, um, hunt. Very thankful. All right. To wrap up here, 
Another piece of gear I wanted to share was the Outdoor Edge knife set. This is the orange, the orange handled knives out by Outdoor Edge. These I literally snagged at Walmart like two years ago, and it was just kind of a backup set. I think I paid 18 bucks for the set. Man, I pulled those out. I was blown away with how flipping sharp they were. I love the grip. I love the handle. Or the grip and the handle are the same thing. The blade, it's big enough. It's beepy enough. I love my Havilon. Havilon's awesome. I just feel like sometimes it's so small. It's sharp as all get out. I mean, it'll cut anything. But sometimes like when you're doing more of the gutting, you just need like a little bit more heft. And so I like that in the Outdoor Edge. I'll, I'll link to that one. It's got a gut hook as well. The other piece of gear that I've been pumped on that I just got in the last month is a Badlands MRK6 backpack. It's the biggest Badlands pack that they make. I think it's a 6,600 cubic. You can do like a week backpacking in this thing. It's bonkers. Then the meat shelf and all of that. Uh, just really great pack. I actually feel like it's lighter than my 3200, just completely empty. And so when I started taking it out in these last few trips, I was, I just feel way more mobile. Like I'll take shots, you know, with the backpack on no hesitation, really kind of cool. So love that pack. Great job to Badlands. They, uh, sent it to me in their new, um, exclusive color. It's this kind of brown, I don't know. It's just like an all over light brown. Looks cool. It's, I don't know, color's color, I guess. But I'm digging that thanks to them. And um, yeah, it's a little bit of my in gear I trust moment there. So, well, want to thank you for subscribing and tuning into First Generation Bowhunter. It's been episode 44. Please pass along if you're liking these tips, liking these breakdowns of the hunts and the stories. I really think this could help a lot of hunters. There's so many different moments and things that can happen in a hunt. Bow hunting just adds a whole other element to that. So I hope you're finding value. And please pass this along. I was looking at my Spotify wrap-up of the year. And just it's kind of cool to see how many countries this podcast has reached, how many people, who's subscribing, just all of it. I just really can't thank you enough. So... Really, really appreciate that. And thank you for submitting reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done that already, uh, please do. I've also got first-generation T-shirts available. I just ordered another run of them because I was out of a ton of sizes. So first-generation bowhunter, you can Venmo me 15 bucks. Listeners get $15 deal, and I'll ship it to you because, hey, you got to sport it and uh, be awesome. So. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you on the next one.